0: Hey, it's Quinn Miners, and you're listening to The Blitz.
1: Welcome back to another episode of The Blitz. This is episode number 23, which is also the amount of takes that it's taken me to do this intro. (laughs) My name is Anthony DeBona. You can follow me on Twitter at DeBona. You can follow my brother and co-host John DeBona on Twitter at Jorge Blanco. And of course, you can follow the show on Twitter at The Blitz Podcast. As always, we really do appreciate when you leave. Of review, subscribe, like, all that good stuff on whatever listening platform you're using. And uh, this is gonna be a little mixed bag of an episode. We got some basketball talk, some football talk, maybe some food talk if we have time for it at the end. But uh, the biggest story of the day is actually on the basketball side of things, where uh, my favorite team, the Boston Celtics, decided to shake things up quite a bit. And uh, not gonna lie, I don't know how to feel because their president of basketball operations, Danny Ainge has moved on. He's officially retiring, at least for now. And uh, when I got that alert on my phone, I was like, okay, so they're going to hire a new GM. We'll see what what happens. Then I got the next alert from Adrian Wojnarowski, and he says, oh, Brad Stevens is going to be taking over as president (laughs) of the basketball operations. Uh, And I was like, okay. So they're going to give him like the right, the uh, full control like uh, Bill Belichick has or whoever else that's happened in basketball before, too. And then Another tweet comes out from Woj, and it's like, oh, he's gonna be giving up the head coaching spot and he's gonna be taking over the full-time role as president of the basketball operations and leading the search for a new head coach. So now I'm just really confused. I'm kind of excited, kind of terrified at the same time because I'm scarred of my from my Philadelphia Eagles hiring Chip Kelly and then giving him full control, although he was the same he was the head coach at the same time. But it's just I don't know what to think. I'm excited and terrified at the same time, like I said. But uh, what do you think, John?
0: Yeah, I mean, at the risk of losing listeners, I want to sing Circle of Life because it's pretty amazing as a Nets fan to be crapped on year after year for that horrendous Billy King-Danny Age trade in 2013 and now to watch Ainge quote-unquote retire – after they get bounced by the Nets in the first round. It's a pretty beautiful thing. Um, I think you're ignoring the tea leaves, though. And Mike Krzyzewski is retiring from Duke. (laughs) So, logically, the next step with Jason Tatum being there, right? Tatum's a Duke guy, or was he Kentucky? No, he's Duke. Okay, Tatum's a Duke guy. So, logically, the uh, 19-year-old Brad Stevens and the 19-year-old Jason Tatum are going to team up with 93-year-old Mike <laughs> and he, He's retiring after this season, though, so that kind of ruins the whole thing. House. Yeah, but they'll just hire somebody in the interim. They'll hire Jerry Stackhouse for a season. <laughs> they'll scrap Jerry Stackhouse after he takes the Celtics to the Eastern Conference Finals. And they'll hire Krzyzewski at 93 years old. They'll wheel him into every game. And he'll uh, complain when his team takes their first loss because that's apparently what he does after... Forty something years on the job, one tough season. He's got to call it a career, but it's neither here nor there. Um, yeah, you guys are getting Coach K in the year. <laughs> all right, and I have to just bring
1: it up because I fell. I pride myself on not falling for like fake reports and fake news and stuff, but uh, Anthony Puccio, who's like, oh, it's a Nets report. He used to just be a Nets reporter. Now I think he does all different stuff for the Association But he shared out what it looked like a legitimate screenshot from an ESPN article. And I don't know if you had seen it, but uh, basically it said that Danny Ainge apparently tried to get to gather up the players, Celtics players in the locker room after Kyrie Irving stopped on their uh, logo and wanted to go store in the locker room and go after, and there was in quotes, that bastard or something like <laughs> that. And it, was, it looked legit like they used the same font that the ESPN site uses and everything. That's right. Like I said, I don't know if you saw it or not, but it was, no, it was going I around. I didn't see that. But it was going all over Twitter. And they did like a great did job with talk,
0: it. We, we haven't recorded since the logo stopped, so we haven't even gotten on that topic yet.
1: Yeah, so uh, Kyrie Irving did the Celtics dirty, and uh, it was not, not fun to see as a Celtics fan, but
0: I my guess favorite, whatever. My favorite part of that, though, was people saying – it's okay to stomp on the logo thousands of times up and down the court over the course of a game and a season, but you do it one time intentionally after the game, and it's like the most disrespectful thing
1: in the world. Yeah, I forget who said it. It was one of like the ESPN uh, national writers. He was like, "The NBA is discussing moving the location of the tip off to <laughs> not to not offend any any logos at half court." So, yeah, I think it was completely blown out of proportion. Like I, uh, I think uh, Kevin Garnett post something on uh, Instagram or something like that where he was like, oh, nobody's going to say anything about that, even though Kyrie literally had a bottle
0: thrown at his head right afterwards. So it's like, you can't even compare the two. The one I was also like... love, I love Kevin Garnett. Like I think he's one of my favorite personalities in sports because he was so brash and obnoxious and just wanted to a make everybody want to fight him i feel like he was kind of like what you used to be when you played basketball but he was really, really but he was really 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 good. but he was actually good he could do more than uh he could do more than draw texts from people <laughs> um but it was hilarious that people were pointing out they're like this is the guy who wished a happy mother's day to tim duncan yeah. knowing his mom died like this is the guy that called charlie villanueva a cancer patient this is the guy who talked about Lala and said she tasted like Honey Nut Cheerios. And now he's going to draw the line at stomping on a cartoon leprechaun.
1: Yeah, so it's it's, not, it's really uh, cool. not a good look, but he's still my favorite player of all time. That's never going to change, but I, I got to disagree with him on this one. But uh, moving on, even though we'll keep a basketball for a little bit here. As of recording this just a, a few minutes ago, maybe a half hour ago, <laughs> Uh, the the,
0: sec, the second greatest heel in the NBA after Kyrie Irving. Yes, my new favorite Disney villain, uh, Trey <laughs> Young, just humiliated the Knicks again. Oh not the greatest Trey shooting Young, night. Trey Young became the perfect wrestling heel slash anti hero. Yeah. He, he made me such a fan in this series. <laughs> I we I think we both predicted the Knicks would win this series, right? In our little Yeah, we both series. had them winning. I think we both had it taking at least six, but we both had them winning.
1: Yeah. So the thing that, like, if you go back to specifically what I said, I know for sure, is I was like, "Oh, the Knicks are the gritty, tough defensive team, and the (laughs) and the Hawks are like the finesse, just offensive team." And I feel like this entire series, it was the opposite because you just saw.
0: And I thought, like, my one whole thing too with Thibodeau is I feel like if nothing else, Thibodeau teams play with heart. Yeah. Like you can say whatever you want about them on offense and whatever, but they play with a lot of heart and. That will get you far against teams that aren't great, I feel like. But maybe we just didn't give the Hawks enough credit. We definitely didn't give Trey Young enough credit. Yeah, I feel like they were – they've really turned their around since
1: they uh, made uh, Nate McMillan the full-time head coach. But, like, the whole series – like I, obviously, I didn't watch a lot of them during the regular season. I could just go by what I read and, said and heard or whatever. But, like – they played really, really good defense. And, like, even tonight's game, they were just all over. Like, everything was contested. People were saying, oh, they had to triple quadruple team Julius Randle. But I never really saw that. They would just trap him at the right times and force him to make either a terrible shot or a tough pass and turn the ball over. But, like, Trey Young just he, – he didn't really play defense. He's a smaller guard. But, like, he was so perfect in this series. He didn't have the best shooting night. Once that I did want to bring up that I just recently saw before we started recording is I think he was the first player since Michael Jordan to have three straight playoff games at the garden with 30 points or more.
0: That's crazy. Like
1: for him to do that and then like play up the crowd and and do all the things he did. He like waved goodbye and took a bow when he hit that last
0: shot. Oh, him, him him hitting that three. I didn't watch like much of the game, but I saw the last maybe five minutes. Um, Him hitting that three at the end of the game and doing the bow when they were already up big was just so perfect. And as a Knicks fan, I feel like you have to kind of be torn because on one hand, I absolutely get, trolling aside, like I totally get that you should be proud of this team because this roster was horrendous on paper at the beginning of the year. It might still be pretty bad on paper at the end of the year, but nobody expected anything from this team even Knicks fans. So for them to even make the playoffs to begin with, let alone having home court, was an accomplishment. I get feeling proud in that regard. However, after the Clint Capella comment yesterday, for the team to come out today and lose as bad as they did, that's gotta be... I don't know how... Like I know the fans gave the Knicks a standing O after, and it's because they overachieved this year. And they like gave the fans that feeling of being in the garden and getting to have their ticket prices raised next year. <laughs> but I don't know. I, like, I feel like as a fan, that's that's hard to really give them a – and maybe it's, it's because I'm not a Knicks fan. But for a team to talk trash like that on you and come out and dominate you the way they did tonight, I don't know how you give that team a standing ovation after that. I feel like even if the Knicks would have lost the series, even if they would have lost tonight's game, you had to have it be closer than it was. And go down closer to the wire than it did. Yeah,
1: it just seemed like from the start, like the games, the first game I think was what like a two point game, and the Hawks stole one in MSG, and then obviously they took both games at Atlanta. They had all the momentum, and then Click Capella said what he said, and honestly, he was, there was nothing wrong with what he said. I mean, he said the Knicks and and everybody honestly thought the Knicks would just out tough the Hawks and and bully play bully ball and beat them up, get physical. And the exact opposite happened. The Hawks did that to the Knicks, and they didn't know how to recover.
0: Oh man, my so, favorite thing though was the gift that you sent me, of uh, Trey Young getting bumped by. It looked like Noel on the yeah, you it was, to it make, was, make it out. Yeah. But him getting bumped by Noel, and then him just doing like a puffing up, sort of like shoulder shrug yeah, and a like flex. Oh, trying to get tough, really. Yeah, yeah. It was so but, funny to me. But he just crazy. made the Knicks look so bad, and. and the- Maybe he's going to be – like, maybe he is on his way to being the next superstar. Who knows? But he he's definitely better than anybody on the Knicks right now. That's for sure. Yeah, I just feel like
1: there were a lot of people that were, like, super critical of Trey Young before. Like, I was a big fan of him coming out of uh, Oklahoma. But, like, people always criticize him for saying, like, he doesn't play defense, he's soft, and he just, like, thinks he's, like, a fake Steph Curry. But I feel like this season – I mean, this series in particular, he showed that, like – he could take these bumps i mean granted if he plays like a james harden kind of brand of basketball he draws a lot of fouls and like gets defenders into to weird situations cause causes contact and and puts the refs in a tough spot but like you can't fault the guy for taking advantage of the rules and like like tonight just for example he was 10 of 28 overall that's not good at all but then he was yeah. 13 of 15 from the free throw line yeah. so it's like he realized okay my shots not falling i'm going to take advantage of the refs and then draw all these fouls but like at the same time it's like I feel like I never really saw Trey Young talk trash like I did this series. And it just seems like, like Clint Capella said, the Knicks just tried to get physical with him and it just didn't work. And I don't know if you saw like that full clip, but when um right before Neuralons and the Wall bumped into him, that was right at a, a halftime. So Julius Randle missed the layup, right? So mm-hmm. Trey Young fell on the floor. Julius Randle throws the ball at Trey Young while he's on the floor. So then Trey Young jumps up and like he doesn't really say anything. He goes to walk away. But John Collins goes to walk towards like and confront Julius Randle, and then Reggie Bullock jumps in, who's the guy that's basically been guarding Trey Young the whole series, and he tries to say something to Trey Young. So then Trey Young's walking away from that confrontation where they try to like get a rise out of him, and then there was Will, who's coming off the bench. He's just walking to the locker room, bumps into Trey Young for no reason. So it's just like
0: they were trying to like bully him, and he ended up just killing them in the end. And he got the last that, was, that was really the best part though, because whenever you see a bully get pumped, it's like the best feeling in the world, and. Just watching him just blow, like, make it just because it makes them look silly. Like, it's one thing to just get beat. Obviously, teams, every team, like, one team loses every game. So, of course, you can take losses. But, yeah, when you try to act tough and then you get knocked out, it's extra satisfying, I feel like. Because, again, it's like, like going to MMA, where if it's just two guys that you don't really care about and one of the guys gets knocked out, you're like, all right, listen, it happens. But if it's the guy who's coming in, dancing, talking all sorts of smack, if it's the Mike Perrys of the world, and then they get knocked on their ass, it's a fun watch. And that's basically what happened to the Knicks, I feel like. Yeah, I
1: feel yeah, like the, uh, yeah. the Knicks were like the Diaz brothers in
0: this scenario where like, yeah. they talk well, the time. Actually, I, I, shared the, uh, I shared the clip because it really – Trey Young and what the Hawks did tonight really did remind me of the Conor McGregor thing where he goes, you'll do fucking nothing. <laughs> and that was fucking, by the way. That wasn't a – it wasn't a UCK. That was an OOK. <laughs> just for the record, for the censors. But, yeah, um, but I
1: feel like Nate Diaz doesn't have the greatest record, but like he talks a lot of garbage and gets a rise out of people. And I feel like the Knicks tried to do that. They tried to get physical and talk a lot,
0: but it just didn't work. Uh, but oh, the other thing I liked too was the uh, clip that you sent me of Trey Young where he goes, What are you going to spit on me next? <laughs> yeah, he was talking to the fans, <laughs> so funny. the fans. Yeah, he was just like,
1: he pulled the best. Reggie Miller,
0: since Reggie Miller. Yeah, like, exactly. That's that's what I was going to say. The Reggie Miller of, like, his team may very well not win anything after this. But just what he did to the Garden is going to be legendary and have him boot at the Garden for the rest of his career. And the best part about
1: this now is, like, the East playoffs are, are wrapped up. I mean, the first round in the East is basically wrapped up now. So, like, we know the matchups. So now, after dealing with New York's whole crowd, Trey Young's going to go to Philly, and you know they don't play any games <laughs> there either. Like he's going to be drawing back and forth with them. I'm sure he might have somebody spit on him there. Who knows? But like, Trey Young's got a new fan in me. Like, I know I'm a Celtics fan, but like, I like Trey Young before, but now I really like him. Anybody that can yeah. do that, especially I'm going like to be rooting for game.
0: him. I'll be rooting for him against anybody but the Nets. Yeah. Um, the one thing I'll say for the Knicks fans to hang their hat on that I can maybe see happening down the line, I can see something like this and how much fun Trey Young was having being the villain there. Being a long-term lure for Trey Young to maybe think about coming to New York because if he sees how passionate the fan base is, how involved they get, and how much they can sort of turn him up when they're against him, he might be like, you know what? This could be really fun with these people now going for me. And whenever his deal's up and he hits free agency, that that might be a play long-term. That might be the type of guy who might be like, you know what? The garden was really fun. This environment was really special. Let me get back here.
1: Yeah, I feel like everybody, like even I think LeBron had mentioned it. How he just tweeted about it, in a, in a different game, he was talking about how like electric the Garden was or whatever. It's just like when the Knicks are good, that atmosphere is just there's nothing like it in the NBA.
0: Yeah, it's. I say like, I'm a Nets fan. I'm like I know the Barclays Center is depressing unless the Nets are doing really, really, really well. But the MSG is something special. Knicks fans are annoying. I like I said, they were they were really they were my favorite team for a little bit before the Nets came to Brooklyn. They were even my second team initially when the Nets moved to Brooklyn. But Knicks fans became so obnoxious and they really are a spoiled fan base too, which is annoying because like to watch how many Knicks fans were bashing Julius Randle for this series, it's like just shut up. Julius Randle got you here. If Julius Randle doesn't play the way he did the whole like even today, he had I think what, twenty three and thirteen or something like that. Yeah. It's like I know his shooting was bad and his percentages were terrible, but, like, stop being spoiled. Your team was supposed to be garbage. You were supposed to be the worst team in basketball, and you made the playoffs and got home games. Like, just shut up and appreciate what you have while you have it.
1: One thing to uh, put in there, just to make Knicks fans, I don't feel a little better, but they um, – I remember – I forget, was it was a game one at the Garden where they had uh, handed out those flyers that were, like, the chant that they were going to have for that night, and it was, like, Trey young Oh, the young Trey
0: young Yeah. yeah.
1: So it looks like that same group, I don't know if they handed out if there's somebody standing outside MSG or whatever, but Adler, my friend from high school, and you know him from the Facebook groups, he actually went to the game tonight, and uh, they were handing out a flyer, and it was just, it just said, uh, we love Randall, or something like that, and it was just basically, then it said, like, oh, he he was the one that signed with us when nobody else, like, cared about the Knicks, blah, 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 so, like, they wanted to show their appreciation.
0: Yeah, it was. It was. I feel like it was similar. Like, I mean, not saying similar because Randall was nowhere near as accomplished as the other guy that I'm going to talk about. But similar as far as like the quality as a Nick to when they signed Amari, where like Amari was kind of like Amari came because the Knicks offered big money, but he also came when nobody else really wanted to be there. Melo wasn't there yet. Like it was Amari and Felton, and that's kind of what happened with Randall.
1: Yeah,
0: and I feel like. Even just watching
1: this game tonight, I was just looking at this this Knicks team and I was just like, how the hell did they have such a good record and finish with the fourth seed? It really just, is crazy. It's just like, but I I think I was listening to... Well,
0: they, they have the record you think the Celtics had
1: when they exactly.
0: Stevens... Exactly, exactly.
1: No, but what I was going to say is like, even with the Celtics injuries and stuff, there's, there's no way the Knicks should have been six games or whatever it was better than the Celtics. Like... Yeah, it just that's, like, But I was listening to. I think it was Alan Hahn on uh, ESPN Radio, and I think it was him or somebody he had on the show mentioned how, basically, the Knicks, their record during the regular season, and they finished so well because the way Thibodeau plays, is it's like, every like every game is a playoff game, even during the regular season.
0: Meanwhile, but that's now, also say. But that's also a, a risk. I mean, it's true. But I was gonna say that's also why I feel like his teams have the reputation for play, like flaming out in the playoffs. Oh, exactly. I mean, I think, you look at look, you look at those Bulls teams, and those Bulls teams. I mean, I know they were riddled with injuries too. So who knows? Maybe if they were totally healthy, how far they go. But I feel like part of that is that he did overplay guys and overstress the regular season, and it is hard. I get that it's hard to like strike that balance because you want your team to be competitive, you don't want them to do what so many sort of superstar laden teams have done and think they could take nights like nights off, especially when you're not when you have a roster like the Knicks that isn't anywhere near the best roster in the league, but it does ultimately end up coming back to bite them. So it's hard.
1: Yeah. I think, um, I don't know if it was still at the end of the season, if it's still it was still true, but I remember at one point, I think Julius Randle and like RJ Barrett were like one and two in the league in like total minutes played. I know Randle definitely finished first, but I don't know about uh, Barrett, but I just feel like, I don't know, this Knicks team, they overachieved during the regular season because they were taking it so seriously and they played so hard and they were playing everybody 40 minutes per game. And like a lot of the other teams nowadays, they just like, they're all about load management and just, Oh, I'll yeah. get in the playoffs and then we'll handle it from there. Once everybody's healthy where the Knicks were like that's all they really knew how to do is just play hard. But then when you get to the playoffs, like I forget who said it, but they were like, now everybody's playing hard. So now it's just a completely different ball game but when you only have one really, really go-to guy like Julius Randle, when you take him off his game, they just didn't have the talent around him to to take control.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, Just one more thing on the Knicks, and I brought it up in passing, but I'm genuinely annoyed at them raising ticket prices, and not for them raising ticket prices, because I absolutely understand them raising ticket prices. When I had, and I I probably mentioned this on the show before, we had Ranger season tickets. Um, Jen's family had it initially, and then Kind of became ours. But uh, when we had them, the Rangers would raise season tickets um, anytime they did well, basically. But from what I remember, once you locked in for the following season as a season ticket holder, you were set at that price. They wouldn't ever add after that. So, like, let's say if it was the end of the regular season in what was it, 2016? No, not 2016, 2014 when they made the Stanley Cup finals. Um, if we locked in at the end of that regular season, which I'm pretty sure we did, we locked in at a certain price and then they made the Stanley cup. And then anybody who got in after that, I think had their prices raised, but I'm almost positive. They didn't raise it for people who already locked in. So the fact that they're raising it for people who decided to lock in pre playoffs is really, really insulting and pretty terrible on their part. And part of why, like, And I've said it before that, like, loyal fan bases are great to watch, but loyal fan bases also help bad teams be bad for years because ownership, and especially in the case of Dolan, he knows people are going to just pay whatever they charge and to see any games that they they have, and they're going to fill that arena no matter what the team is. And, like, sometimes having a fair-weather fan base can be better for the actual team on the court because – ownership is more pressed to like let me put a competitive product out there because it's the only way people are going to be in this arena i don't know i know they haven't raised prices in like seven or eight years which good on them for that at least while the team was bad because they still could have tried and people probably still would have bought them but like i said just raising them on people who've already locked in seems really really scummy to me
1: yeah it's just not a good look especially when you consider we're just coming out of a pandemic and like People probably did lose a ton of money or whatever. Who knows? Maybe yeah. And it. also,
0: and also, Knicks fans are so like loyal, and it's like it's a little bit of like, oh, you're happy, are you? And it's like to me, it feels a little deflating. I don't know. I'm not a Knicks fan, so maybe Knicks fans are so blinded by making the playoffs that they don't care about that, and they're like, I'll pay anything to go watch this team now. <laughs> but it feels like ownership kind of spitting in your face a little bit to me. Like I said, not not even raising prices because of course you're going to raise prices. But just doing it to people who've already locked in, who've already been supportive of this team when they were expected to be a 20-win team, that to me is the, the disheartening part.
1: Yeah. Um, real quick before we wrap up this basketball, basketball uh, part, the Celtics have the current odds, according to uh, – this is points PointsBet Sportsbook. You want to guess who the uh, favorite to be the next Celtics head coach is?
0: Is it the guy that you seem to really want in
1: Chauncey? But Phillips. No, it's not. It's uh I think your you favorite can... yes, your favorite
0: candidate.
1: <laughs> oh I just wanted God. you to uh,
0: I would be think... so excited if that happens. Um because <laughs> you... back to season tickets though, and Jason Kidd just real quick. Um I know for sure the Nets didn't do that. Like when then like we locked in, we first had our family had Nets season tickets. Um I talked to our parents into getting them the year, like the year that they moved to Brooklyn because I wanted to be in the Barclay Center for the opening. Um And that very next year was when they made the trade for the Garnett, Pierce, Jason Terry trio. And I know they raised regular season ticket prices, but we locked in when the Nets were just in the playoffs that year with the regular Darren Williams, uh, Joe Johnson, Brooke Lopez trio. And we didn't have to pay anything extra when they pulled off that big three trade. So again, it's just different views, I guess, different fan bases, whatever, but like I said, that's just really – I feel bad for Knicks fans.
1: Yeah, so just – I want to get to the uh, other top five, the rest of the top five and the odds. So Jason Kidd's the favorite at plus 350. Then Sam Cassell, Boyd Pierce, Chauncey Billups, and then Becky Hammond. So I just want to point out – I don't know if you even talked about it, but uh, my other favorite team, the NFL, the Eagles, had made some, like, very forward-thinking moves, I guess you could say. I just did air quotes, even though you can't see it. But – um. Oh.
0: They be- hired I school. was going to say, Becky Hammond being the first female head coach in the NBA in Boston of all places yeah, would be really, really funny because I could just picture a bunch of guys now like, what, are we going to have a broad telling them what to do? Like I don't know why I did them <laughs> more Brooklyn. I guess they can't do a Boston accent. But, that you know, was, uh... like, it's just
1: – Yeah, I just feel like there's uh, Kara Lawson, who was an assistant coach for the Celtics and then got the job I think for the uh, female basketball um, team at Duke, she's also considered another uh, candidate. So it would be kind of crazy if like the Eagles made a huge move in like hiring or promoting a female in, in the front office and as a scout. And then my favorite yeah, like, the NBA. We
0: didn't talk we didn't talk about it because we haven't really talk football, but I thought that was a really genuinely cool move that the Eagles did too. Cause like it's one thing to just do the sort of like show face internship things where it's like oh we're giving a woman a job because we need to we have to fill the role or we're giving a minority a job because we have to but like the fact that they hired like a muslim woman who like wears the hijab like to be a scout and she seems to be somebody who genuinely earned it and knows her football and stuff i feel like that's that really is a feel-good thing because like i know they're going to be asshats on twitter who are just like it's a man's game blah, 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 like backwards like whatever but Honestly, anybody can be a sports fan, even if you're a lot less likely to be a fan of a certain sport or whatever. Like, I think anybody can know the sport, even if you don't play it, if you just study enough. And especially as something like a scout, like, that to me is a job that we probably should see more women in because, like, they, like I said, you can know what you're watching even if you can't physically do it. I just want to get their
1: names right because I don't want to seem like super uh, sexist or anything like that. So I want to give them proper credit. So Catherine Reich is, or Reich is the, she's now been promoted to the vice president of football operations for the Eagles, which is actually the role that before he became GM of the Browns. So it's like a very notable position and just a quick down rundown of her history. So she started with the Montreal Alouettes in 2015 as their coordinator of football administration. Then she ended up becoming pretty much their GM and then went to the uh, Toronto Argonauts, director of football administration. Then she spent the year with the Tampa Bay Vipers in the XFL, <laughs> in their front yes. office. And then the Eagles hired her as their football operations coordinator right after that for two years. And now she's been promoted to this role.
0: We so. Just for the record, we do stand the XFL on this uh, podcast.
1: hundred oh, percent. This is going to be an a, XFL we podcast. We
0: every, Guardi, every Guardian's home game in their existence.
1: Yeah, all two of them, right? Both of <laughs> them, but yeah so this is actually i think it was officially announced that this is like the highest ranking a female has ever been in the nfl front office so that's like a huge deal and then uh amina solomon is the um she's now a pro scout for the eagles and she had spent i think it was like a year working for the nfl itself well she spent four years at temple as a graduate assistant with their football team then she spent a year with the nfl itself as a player personnel assistant then the Eagles hired her as a player personnel intern in 2018. Then she moved on to football operations scouting assistant, then player personnel coordinator, and then now she's officially been promoted to pro scout. So
0: it's yeah, pretty sick. Yeah, like and we're, I mean, obviously we have a dog in the fight because we're both girl dads. Yes. And my entire goal in life is to get Veronica to do some sort of um, masculine job because I'll probably <laughs> never have another kid. And even if I do, probably never have a son. So my entire goal in life is to live through Veronica and have Veronica eventually, um, despite the autism and everything, be the first female GM in the National Football League.
1: And then you said she's going to hire
0: Ellie as her general manager, right? Uh, well, or, no, or Veronica's coach. Gonna be, Veronica's going to be the GM because with the autism and stuff, she's going to be really great with numbers and uh, yes. names and stats and advanced analytics. And Absolutely. then uh, Ellie's going to be the actual ex Ellie's going to be our head football coach.
1: There we go. All right, cool. So she's going to – um Veronica's going to start the new uh, pro football focus also. Make a ton yeah, of money please. off that. Right,
0: we're going so... to get both of our daughters making money in sports one way or the other.
1: <laughs> yeah, we'll still be doing this podcast for absolutely nothing. But whatever it is, it is. <laughs> for, all,
0: for all 10
1: people that listen. Yeah. All
0: right.
1: So we're going to take a quick break here. And when we get back, we'll get into a uh, football talk and maybe some food talk. So, uh, so
0: talk about that sauce. Shh!
1: Don't spoil it, man. What's up, everybody? It's Anthony Abona, and it's time for a word from our sponsor, Fanspeak.com. Now, just because the 2021 NFL Draft is over, most of the big-name free agents are signed, there's still a whole lot you can do over at Fanspeak.com. You can use the On the Clock 2021 Redraft tool, where you can take control of your favorite team and fix all of the mistakes you think they made during this year's draft, or you can get a head start on next year's class with the On the Clock 2022 tool, which allows you to get all the knowledge you need about next year's prospects, get a head start on that process. So you can put on your GM hat and see what your team can do next year. So uh, let's get back to the episode. All right. So let's jump into this football talk, but I think John has uh, one more thing on the basketball side of things to uh, get off his chest.
0: Yeah. yeah um, shout out to party city for some awesome helium. I don't know what that has to do with uh, basketball, but <laughs> I was just thinking about that. Cause uh, I got balloons. For Veronica's birthday, like almost three weeks ago at this point, I think, or no, closer to a month, and they're still floating on my ceiling because Party City apparently has some special grade helium. But now, going back to basketball, um, I was just reminded while we were on break about the We Want Brooklyn chance <laughs> from Knicks fans because I was like, I knew there was a reason why. I don't like the Knicks. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's part of it. Is that Knicks fans are, like, always talking about the Nets and obsessed with, like, the Nets' bad attendance and the Nets' fan base and the Nets' whatever. And the best video that I've ever seen was the video that I saw just now where it was the uh, the Knicks rowdily chanting, we want Brooklyn outside of the garden. And then the clip just starts playing Hopeful by, uh, what is it, Faith Evans from the Coach Carter soundtrack. Um. And then it goes, the Knicks went on to not win a game after that and lose every game by double digits. That was literally the – it's like the
1: definition of the saying, doing too much. Like they <laughs> won one game and they just did not know how
0: to act. Well, like I said, that's, that's going back to Knicks fans in a nutshell because they've had so little success but cared so deeply about this team that anything that happens is now blown out of proportion and the equivalent of Car- uh, Carson once being the runaway MVP. Like, you can't even have a discussion with them about it. It's just, it is what it is. And I know it's not all Knicks fans, because, like, there's a lot of Knicks fans in the Facebook group that we're in who are level-headed and know their stuff. And we're like, listen, this team isn't great, but we're glad they overachieved and whatever. But there's so many Knicks fans who aren't that and who are just, like, anytime they're doing anything good, they're amazing. So them getting knocked out is just that much sweeter to me. Yeah, I think, uh,
1: thankfully... The majority of the Knicks fans in the group that we're in are, are pretty level-headed. So uh, shout out to guys like Adler, Gene, Corey. Um, I think that's about it. But <laughs> I can yeah, think of right now. Like,
0: well, all the guys, all the guys you mentioned are all pretty good. I can't yeah. really bash any of those guys. Oh, Adelawan's pretty good too. Yeah, like a, a
1: Knicks Nets fan. I don't know that guy's got some
0: issues. But... He's no, like, He's like he's what I wanted to be before I started dealing with the obnoxious Jets fans and Knicks fans. Like, I wanted to just be a local sports guy. My intention was never, to, like I, – I mean, I always had preferences with the Giants, especially, less so with basketball. But, I mean, once the Nets moved to Brooklyn, I did. But I always wanted to sort of support the other local team. It was just that those fan bases, the Jets fan base, especially uh, our friend Rob, was super obnoxious and completely turned me off to being ever rooting for the Jets again. And then there was the same thing with the Knicks, where like the Knicks-Nets game at Barclays the first year was like the closest I've ever come to like getting physical with somebody, where like me and the guy, like the guy was like turning around in my face where I was just like, just sit the F down already, because like he was that obnoxious about everything that happened. And the Nets ended up winning in overtime, if I remember right, and the guy left the game early. So true scumbag move. He called a Spike Lee. Yeah, but Rob and that Knicks fan specifically are what turned me off from just being the local guy like And And uh, But credit to him, because I wish I could be that still. So.
1: But uh, speaking of some local teams, you uh, seem to have some concerns about what Daniel Jones is uh, training in the offseason.
0: Yeah, this really irked me. Um, it's no secret that I am very much Johnny Brightside. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I will defend just about anything the Giants do. I will find the bright spot in anything that they say. I'm an unapologetic gentleman supporter. <laughs> um I I love Joe Judge to the moon and back. I have even the years that they've been terrible, I've like really supported this team and thought that they were doing better moves than they were. But I finally found something today that really kinda irked me. And <laughs> It was listening to Big Blue Kickoff, which is like the official Giants podcast. I finally remember the name. I feel like I've mentioned it a bunch, and never got the name right. But it's a uh, Big Blue Kickoff. It's the Giants official podcast. It's cool. They do it every day. They do have like an hour episode, basically every day of the week, even through the whole off season. So they really get into the nitty gritty and cover everything. They like talk to guys, high school coaches. They, they like really get in the weeds with it. But um, so they did a, an interview a couple weeks ago that I really liked with Duke Manyweather. And he was talking about the line and breaking down like the real like nuances about like how he was helping Hernandez learn to switch to play um, the right side more and you know the different technique things and stuff like that. And like it really gave me hope for the offensive line. But Daniel Jones' uh, trainer was on, and I did not like what I heard because when you hear about what Daniel Jones is working on in the offseason as a Giants fan, you want to hear about ball security and reading the pocket and reading the field more. I feel like those are the biggest things. Like we all know he can run. We all know he could fling the ball downfield, but he needs to read the field better. And he needs to, um, what was the other thing I was saying? He needs to read the field better. And he needs to hold the ball. So that's what it comes out to. That's what I was kind of hoping to hear. Like, what are you doing to work on like those things? instead what this guy was talking about is how they're working on improving his arm strength and him throwing the ball further and that when he started working with him he was throwing the ball 55 yards and now he's throwing the ball 65 yards and it's like that's all well and good that's not the problem though like the problem wasn't that he was under throwing deep routes so that to me sounded bad then the other thing he said that like made a little bit of sense to me but still doesn't feel like it should be top priority at all is he was talking about um, getting used to Daniel Jones, like putting on the brakes more when he's running and being able to sort of start and stop, which I guess as I'm saying it out loud makes some more sense because there's like a level of, you know, escapability within the pocket to that when you're talking about it. But it, I don't know. Like, cause he was basically saying that like Daniel Jones can get out of control where like he just runs and he gets up to top speed. And he doesn't know how to like stop basically, and that that sometimes is a detriment. And but, he knows how to fall though. Yeah. But like, I think he was saying more as far as like, like I said, again, he didn't use the words, but thinking about it now, I'm hoping that he meant more as far as like being able to just sort of do those court, like sort of like quick movements in the pocket. Like, the thing that I love Mac Jones for is I said, Mac Jones is not fast at all, but I love the way Mac Jones moves in the pocket. And that's something that I feel like Daniel Jones doesn't do. Daniel Jones will take off and run, but he doesn't really move, you know, side to side, back and forth, up and down. Like if he's moving, he's moving to run basically not moving to pass. And that's kind of like, I felt like the giants reporters were kind of like leading him in that direction to try to say that, but he wasn't really saying that. And that was kind of concerning because it felt like he was just like, Oh yeah, yeah, sure. But so, it didn't sound like that's what they're really doing. And that was just a bit of a concern for me. But, Again, in his defense, the guy did say that he's primarily his strength coach. And so I get that, like, if your job is strength coach, then, yes, it makes sense to be like, I want to focus on throwing the ball further and getting his muscles up to speed where he can start and stop and maybe not blow out his leg every time. But I hope he's working with someone on being able to read the field more, and even more than almost reading the field, just reading the pocket. Because I know the line was – really really terrible and they may not be much better this year but there are a lot of quarterbacks we see russell wilson and Aaron Rodgers play behind some bad lines and they just know how to read the pressure and they know how to step up they know how to step sideways even like tom brady just knowing how to take a sack i feel like those like the awareness is the thing that daniel jones never seemed to have in either of his first two years and that's what i want to hear him working on a lot more than anything so there's the one time that you'll actually hear me say something negative about the giants I want Daniel Jones to be working on his awareness and not his throwing the ball further downfield, especially when I've seen more and more stats the last week or two saying that he's actually one of the best deep ball passers in the NFL when he gets the third deep ball. Yeah. That's the
1: thing. It's just like, you have the concerns about the offensive line. So like, I don't know if they're trying to train him because he is going to be running more or if they're going to be scheming that into the offense more, but like, if uh, Daniel Jones is out there looking like a Sean McCoy and breaking through, yeah, I labels. mean,
0: they're. De- I was gonna say they're definitely gonna do. I mean, I would hope some more design runs because, like, they started implementing that more last year when they started doing well because he wasn't passing the ball like all that great, but he started playing a lot better when he was able to incorporate some of the op- like the read options and stuff. Um, I still don't want that to be like the bulk of his game, but I think with his speed, you got to incorporate that to some degree. And especially now, like I said, having Kadarius, Tony, I want to see some triple options and stuff like that um, Mm -hmm. with Kadarius, Jones, and Saquon. But again, we'll see what happens. It's it's a a rarity for me to be down on something the Giants do really at all, but especially when it's like the offseason. And that was just something that I was not crazy about hearing.
1: Yeah, and I feel like if they do start to use Jones as like a runner more, especially in like the option game, is like that's another thing they can use to kind of neutralize the weaker offensive line because when now the defense, especially the edge rushers, have to think about oh who's taking who's keeping the ball is it the running back or is it Daniel Jones and all of a sudden that slows them down they can't just rush the passer without thinking about it so like
0: yeah well that was I will say that was the whole thing why I didn't hate the Tony pick either or even bringing in guys like Rudolph aside from obviously Galladay because they needed a true number one receiver. Because I think the more targets you have and the more creative you can be, like you said, the the more it'll help slow down the rush a little bit too. Because as it is right now, they have probably a top five pass-catching core in the league, maybe top three, on paper at least, if everybody's healthy. So just being able to like spread out defenses more than they have in the past because there's a big difference when you're lining up Galladay, Tony, Ingram, Slayton, and Shep as opposed to just – uh Slayton, Shepard, and Ingram. Like and having Saquon back too. Like I think being able to spread out the defense, like you said, yeah, well it should help hopefully slow down the rush a little bit too. But again, we'll see what happens. It's just it's rare for me to ever think negative on the Giants at all. And that was one thing that I didn't love.
1: Yeah, I'm just looking up looking it up now. Uh Daniel Jones rushed as a rookie, he rushed forty five times for two hundred and seventy nine yards. And that was a five point two uh yards per attempt and then in in, uh last season was 65 rushes for 423 yards 5.8 yards per attempt so i mean i feel like they could probably get that up to like close to 100 rushes yeah but because like lamar jackson's a guy that what he does like i think it was over 150 like all three years he's been in the league so like that's a little bit too much but i feel like daniel jones is a good enough athlete you saw the run he had against the eagles where like you have to utilize it. It's just something, especially with, like, offensive like, line.
0: Yeah, yeah, I was going to say, I feel like, like, my ideal, just off the top of my head, number, would be, like, if you could have five, not even necessarily design runs for him, but five even read option plays a game on offense, I think that's enough to, like, keep defenses thinking about it. But uh, without, you know, going above and beyond.
1: Yeah, so I think that's about it for football talk. Now we're going to get into – the biggest and obviously most serious topic of this episode. And we're gonna get into some food discussions for I think the first time ever on our show because uh, we are both pretty first, passionate
0: about food. The first of many. Um, for who don't know, I am morbidly obese. <laughs> at one point in my life I've had Lat Band surgery, still have a Lat Band side of me because I'm a big fat mess. <laughs> and so let's talk some sauce. <laughs> I'm, I think
1: I'm more on the hipster side of food. I'll go to like things like Smorgasbord and things like that. But like,
0: you just, Mm, I don't know though. I feel like you have a hip, like, you have a hipster place that like you like to order from hipster restaurants, (laughs) but you like to get the same food all the time. I feel like I'm definitely more experimental in the things that I'll eat where you're like, hmm. Do I want the chicken tenders from this place or do I want the chicken tenders from the other place? Do I want the lemon pepper wings from here or do I want the lemon pepper wings? From, or no, sorry, not lemon pepper. The garlic Parmesan wings from here or do I want garlic Parmesan wings from there? Like I was, your taste is very specific.
1: We're going to definitely have a wing episode because lemon pepper is definitely not it for me. But we'll yeah, keep I, I would say
0: lemon pepper, but uh, I was
1: thinking garlic parmesan. <laughs> yeah. So um, I personally wrote down my top five sauces. So I don't know if you want me to go first and we'll uh, break All down you know, my choices. Let me,
0: just, let me just guess your top five. Now, these are sauces. Are they from specific places or are we, or is this just the generic sauce? Well, that's the thing. I try to keep it to
1: where like it's sauces from specific places. Okay. But, but like, well, one of them is, is – That's kind no, of them. what I
0: was hoping for, but
1: – Let's just say this. they're They're sauces that are available pretty much like nationwide. Like uh, you pretty much, they're either in stores or restaurants, but you can get them somehow, some They're okay. not like some like yeah, so you, you
0: didn't go with like local like. No, it's stuff. not like
1: okay. tomato sauce from Casabella, which I yeah. did debate putting on there, but it's, uh, no, it's not like that.
0: Okay, so I'll just I'll I'll do my honorable I'll do my honorable mentions too if we're talking about local, and just say that the uh, the blue cheese that Wheelers uses is phenomenal. I don't. It's like it tastes like buttermilk blue cheese if that was a thing, which I've never heard of before. But that's the only way I know how to describe it. <laughs> and that's just something else. And actually, I really like Wheeler's uh, Honey Barbecue or just even the Straight Barbecue. It's like I can't explain what makes it taste different, but it's like a little tangier than like a regular barbecue. And so that's that's just a local spot for anybody who listens who's in Brooklyn, which is probably most of the people listening. Um, Wheeler's Bar and Restaurant is phenomenal.
1: Real quick, but like mentioning wheelers makes me think of like diners, drives, and dives. So I just want to give a quick shout out to the GOAT guy Fieri for getting that. Uh, he got a max contract
0: from Food Network. Yeah. was like, What did he get? Uh, $3.7 trillion, I think. Sure. <laughs> I think it was like three was years,
1: cleanup. 80 million or something like that. So Guy Fieri's yeah. out there getting paid like a top 15 quarterback. in the NFL. Yeah, I was say like, Guy Fieri got the Patrick Mahomes deal to just go diners,
0: drivings and dives.
1: Granted, when you put on Food Network, he's probably on there, so he's they had to do it. He's Tonight, like we're
0: rolling out.
1: <laughs> he's their LeBron James, so
0: they had to pay him uh, what he wanted. <laughs> he so, is the – and, and also his – I never ate at, like, a proper, proper Guy Fieri, like, restaurant, but they had his, like – Wait, 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 wait wait, wait, wait,
1: wait. Are you going to talk about on the cruise?
0: Yeah, well, I was going to talk about that at Atlantic City.
1: Me, me and Gina but, were just talking about that on the cruise. We were literally get their burgers every oh, night. Well, go ahead. Continue. Yeah,
0: I was going to say, his, his brand was slapped on, like, the burger place on, I think it was Carnival, right? I forget if it was Carnival or Norwegian. I think it was so, Carnival. One of the cruise lines that we went on, and those burgers were really, really good, and then we also, um, Jen and I had went to AC a few years ago, and they had like a little, like, sort of, like, pop-up kind of Guy Fieri stand, I think, or maybe even it's a permanent place, but it's, like, just a stand. It's not really, like, a sit-down restaurant, Um, and they had, I think it was something called, like, Trash Can Nachos, and it was literally big enough for us to put two, I think sixteen ounce bottles of soda in when we were finished. <laughs> and it was so good and such trash in the best way possible.
1: Oh, so I just looked it up. They are it is carnival. and uh, I think the it says uh, it's, it's called Guy's Burger Joint, and I think it's available on like almost every carnival cruise. So once this whole pandemic thing is all squared away and you can start going on cruises, if you there do you cruise a carnival, eat some uh, Guy Fieri food. But uh,
0: yeah, um, also just just for the for the future record, because I know he'll probably listen to this at some point. If we're gonna do more in depth food talk, I think we gotta have take off, uh, yes. your boy your boy Anthony on the show.
1: Yes, um, we got, We have plenty of food connoisseurs that so, we can bring on the show
0: and really but,
1: dive in. It's gonna be exciting. We got a long off season, so we'll have time <laughs> to discuss things. But let's get uh let's get lost in the sauce. So do you wanna? You want to take a shot at my top five, or do you yes. want me to just start?
0: I'll, I'll take a shot at at least some of them. Okay. Um, I'm not going wow, wow. to say if they're on it. I'm not going to say if they're on it or not. No, say if, if I get it, you got to say yes.
1: Okay. I won't tell you where, though, on the list.
0: Okay. okay. Uh, and I know, I feel like I know this is number one already, but uh, Buffalo Wild Wings Garlic Parmesan.
1: That is on the list.
0: Yes. All right. Um, now, I don't know if you're going to have multiple garlic parmesans because I know, like, mm-hmm. Wing Streets. Wing Street no, no, Garlic farm would be up there too. There's you. no, there's no repeats on there. Okay. So, oh, this is gonna be tough because, like, I feel like all I've ever seen you eat is Garlic Parm. So, do you want hints? No, you like, gonna, Ranch from somewhere is gonna be on there for you. N- nope. No, really, because I'm no. surprised because we've we've had the the Ranch Blue Cheese debate. I feel like multiple times, and you've always said that you're a big Ranch over Blue Cheese guy. Yeah, Ranch is better, but that's not that's not part of this. Topic. Okay. So let me hear the rest because I realize I don't. Oh. You're gonna have you're gonna have a honey mustard from uh, somewhere on there. Nope. Jesus, I don't even know you anymore. <laughs> I think you're. Okay, well, like... if, we were go- if we were going local, you would have the honey mustard from Koros. Yeah, probably. probably. Uh, All right. Even that's probably bottled regular stuff, but whatever. All right. All right. So you guessed it right.
1: I'm gonna go five to one, but you already guessed one, so.
0: Oh, you know what? Let, me, let, me get, let me get three more chances. Okay, go ahead. And I'll just say right now, this would be one of the ones on my list. And I think it may make your list too. Asian Zing from Wild Wings? Nope. Wow. <laughs> All right. You know, I'm not even going to bother with you anymore. Just go for it. All right. So
1: you already guessed number one. That's garlic Parmesan sauce from Buffalo Wild Wings. That's the goat sauce. The first sauce I ever bought out of a bottle. Like I went to Buffalo Wild Wings in the city when I was working for FedEx. Literally stopped there just to get the sauce and brought it home. So that was the first time I did that. Best sauce ever, hands down to me. Now I'm going to go five to two. So at five, I got Sweet Baby Ray's Buffalo Sauce.
0: All right. Fair anybody,
1: enough. Anybody can buy that. It's been around in the house. Mom had it all the time. I used to put it on my sandwiches all the time. So that's five. All right. Then four, I have the Sticky Wing Sauce from Dallas BBQ's. Okay. That sauce is just is really, really good. and I, I, I can see, see that. I would buy bottles of it. Then three, I have the good old reliable A1 steak sauce, because you've I literally forgot, seen oh, yeah, me... I forgot, I forgot about
0: that one for you. Yeah, you were a big A1 guy. You, you've literally seen me, like, drinking yeah. off the pan after Dad made a steak when we grew up. Like <laughs> was, yeah, as, soon, as soon as you said that, I was like, oh, yeah, I forgot what, like, when you were in college, <laughs> that I would just walk in on you,
1: basically, like, deep-throating bottles of A1. <laughs> I got to the point where, like, late night, if we had nothing else, I would just open up a bag of, like... Wavy Lay's chips and just dip it in A1 sauce and eat
0: yeah, you were eating. You are eating the most random things with A1 for a while.
1: <laughs> I'm pretty sure my body is like 10% A1 sauce at this point. But as an adult now that I have to pay my own bills and stuff, A1 sauce is pretty damn expensive. <laughs> so I've real I've realized that. But
0: then number you two, like, you in this, you're in the off brand like store like ah, I got a bottle of B2 from we and It's not it's not the same. Trust me, I've tried. It's not the same. I gotta I
1: gotta work some overtime to afford my A one addiction, but um, uh, my up uh up next well finally this list number two I think you'll have it on your list also is well it used to be the Jack Daniel's sauce but now it's oh, the, whis- the
0: whiskey glaze
1: from that's gonna be my
0: number one and I yeah. figured out that you could buy that by <laughs> basically big like almost quart sized tubs from Fridays
1: yeah that's a game changer
0: and I don't know what happened but. For a while there, Friday is, like, when they, I guess, lost the licensing deal with Jack Daniels or whatever, and they were just calling it whiskey glaze. For a while there, it kind of – it felt like the flavor actually changed. It felt like it got, like, thinner and a little bit more watery. It wasn't, like, the Jack Daniels sauce. I feel like something happened in the last year where it's still not the Jack Daniels sauce. It's still just a whiskey glaze now, but it tastes like the old-school Jack Daniels. It is, like, thick again. It's sweet. It is still so good.
1: Salty. It's just perfect. You see, I don't even have to describe it because you had all the adjectives ready. But, yeah, so that's my uh, top five. All right. Go, go ahead. The floor is yours. Yeah,
0: you, didn't get, you didn't get to your number one. You said that was – oh, you said your number said, one was uh, – yeah. You guessed it. Yeah, God promised. Yeah. It. All right. So for me, that – like I said, my number one would probably be that Friday's Whiskey Glee's because that thing is just something special. <laughs> um, my next one would be – and I mentioned it before with you. The Buffalo Wild Wings, the Asian Zing. It's just – wait, so wait.
1: real real quick yeah. on the whiskey yeah. glaze thing you know it's good because if you go on like friday's website or the app and order or even in in the restaurant in the menu they literally have a section for just everything with that sauce on it
0: so, it's like, so good.
1: there's no other place that has like a ketchup section or even like a <laughs>
0: garlic parmesan section they have a whiskey glaze section in their menu it's just crazy but go ahead it's it's perfect um like I said, my number two, and I don't have it often because the only place I can get it is Wild Wings and the Wild Wings on Atlantic was usually packed for like years where I could never really get a table and then there's no other, like I don't want to drive to East New York to get it, but Asian Zing would be up there, probably my number two. Um, number three, and this is I feel like a, a slept on one that I didn't even realize till this year. It's kind of a tie because they kind of go together, but Burger King's or no, sorry, not Burger King. McDonald's buffalo sauce mm. is so good. Yeah, I didn't know this until recently, but I know you had mentioned Sweet Baby Ray's, and I'll have a Sweet Baby Ray's sauce on my list. But McDonald's buffalo is like creamy and milky. That's what I was gonna say. It's almost like a buffalo ranch kind of. Yeah, it's like a, it's like a, it's like a buffalo cream, and it's. It, I feel like it's not going to be a secret on my list that I'm into like. Thicker sauces, kind of. Like, I'm not really into, like, watered-down, thin sauces generally. You love cream. I love thick – I just want thick cream <laughs> in my <neck>. mouth. Um, <laughs> it's Pride Month, everybody, so got to support the cause by wait, having wait, thick cream in my mouth. Real quick before you move forward, because I'm assuming this is your last McDonald's sauce on the list. But, well, um, I was going to say, they pair together because that and then their buttermilk ranch is – Oh, that's on your list It looks like they go hand in hand. Is that on Four your list like... also,
1: the, the buttermilk ranch is on your list? I didn't
0: want to, I didn't want to give it its own spot, so I'm going okay. to give that a, two, a two-way tie because they, they pair together. They're like a fine wine and steak.
1: I, I consider you probably like the sauce expert of the family, so I just wanted to get your take. I know you recently had the BTS meal, which comes with Cajun and sweet chili sauces at McDonald's, so I just wanted to get your I thoughts.
0: Glad, glad you brought this up. Okay, so I didn't actually have the BTS meal specifically. Uh, I realized I could be fat and get even more chicken nuggets, and just order those two sauces on the side. Um, okay. So I got those sauces on the side with my chicken nuggets. Um, again, I'm classy. I, I eat chicken nuggets. Um, but the uh, the Cajun sauce is just okay. It's not. It tastes like a weird, like I don't know, a mix of like honey mustard and buffalo a little bit. I can't really explain it. It's not great. But it's not it's not bad. It's like almost like an eggy honey mustard or something, I don't know. Um but the sweet chili sauce is just the sauce that's going to be my number 4 on my list. Wow. And It's, it's basically just a recovered Popeye sweet heat sauce. And Popeye sweet heat is another sauce that is really really just good. I can't explain it to you, but it it's all in the name it's sweet it's hot it's just good it almost should be like reduced my only complaint is that it's like one of the only thinner sauces that I do like where it could almost be reduced more and become like a jelly and I wouldn't I wouldn't mind it but Popeye sweet heat slash McDonald's sweet chili okay. is a good bet for number four I gotta jump in one more time because you brought up Popeye's
1: and I completely forgot about this but it might be like number six if I had a number six on my list have you had Blackened Ranch from Papa? Yes,
0: oh, yes. Blackened oh Ranch, Blackened Ranch is very good. Also, I, if I was doing an honorable mention, Blackened Ranch would be on there. Um, the Wasabi Dip from uh, the Wasabi Ranch from Fridays would also be on my honorable mention because that with some green bean fries is just an experience. Yep. Um, there's there's a couple other sauces that would be in my honorable mentions if we were getting you know in the nitty gritty and like I said, especially if we were going local because. Coro's honey mustard is some good stuff and a <laughs> couple other things that I like. Um, but to pol- polish out my list, round it off, um, and it's killing me because, again, it's another sauce that I only <laughs> discovered recently, so I'm probably going to forget the exact name of it, but uh, sweet, I'm going with Sweet Baby Ray's also. And they have, uh, I believe it's a maple barbecue or something to that effect, like a hickory, hickory maple barbecue. And That sauce is just really, really good. And Sweet Baby Ray's you can usually get on sale real cheap. So that Sweet Baby Ray's. Anything that's got like a – I don't know if I've told this story before, but I tried making candied bacon myself, and I'm not a cook. I don't make anything besides Easy Mac or uh, heating up a Panera soup in the microwave. (laughs) So, But I've tried to make candied bacon myself like five different times, and it's always ended up terrible. The best I've ever gotten is just okay. But so but I'm a sucker for like anything that's sort of like that maple kind of flavor. So sweet baby rays like maple barbecue or like I said, I'm not I'm mad that I'm not remembering the exact name and we're so, talking on the phone, so I can't look it up.
1: I just so, looked it up.
0: Okay. I, I'm doing the, the real work
1: here. But get get that legwork. So, so Sweet Baby Rays has a, is it like a oh, well obviously all of them have the white label. I said, they're all the white label, yeah. But does it have the two little leaves
0: on it, the maple leaves on it? Do you remember that? I don't I don't remember, but it's it's, like a, it's just some sort of maple barbecue. It's it's, it's literally really called the
1: maple barbecue sauce. Then yeah. yes, that's okay.
0: the exact one. It's okay. the maple barbecue. Um I wanna I'm make sure people so, know what, like, what to buy. Basically, if you could if you could mix in maple syrup and barbecue sauce together, it's that would be it, and that's really good. Um throwing some more honorable mentions out because I don't know how many more times we're gonna talk sauces. Uh <laughs> The ranch that Wingstop uses is really, really good, also, and I feel like that just deserved its own spot, kind of. So
1: yeah. I'm on um, Sweet Baby Ray's website right now, and did you know that you could literally buy a 64 ounce of their like container of their sauces?
0: I believe it. It does not shock me one
1: And they have hats and shirts that you could buy. Oh. <laughs> I know what I'm getting you for Father's Day. At least, about, was like, at least about to make you one happy godfather.
0: Sweet Baby Ray's is the uh, – it's like the best budget sauce, I feel like. Sweet Baby Ray's is almost always on sale. But I feel like it's like probably
1: the best that I know of, like chain sauce, if that makes sense. Like a, like, like a like sauce, sauce, sauce you can buy you can in, the in the store. The
0: you don't have to order from yeah, a restaurant. exactly. Right? Yeah, I get that. Because
1: I feel like they have buffalo. I've had their garlic parmesan sauce. It's actually pretty good.
0: Yeah, They have a ton of stuff
1: I never even know they had.
0: Oh, <laughs> man. You just reminded me of another one, though, when you said that. <laughs> and that is, again, I we may have to really redo this list one. Now. No, I, I like my <laughs> top five, now, I feel like, right now. But there are so many that, like, depending on what I'm having to go in there, too. Because the, uh, the mango habanero you, uh, that is something special, I feel like. Oh, that they, just... That combination, especially if you get it with, like, a, you get it with a pizza that, like, has sort of, like, pineapple on it or something, and or ham, or, you know, one of those meats, and that, mm, it's just good stuff. What is
1: the uh, the garlic sauce from Domino's, too? That's good as hell.
0: That's, yeah, their garlic butter sauce is also great. You know, mm. I'm just going to open the tablet and let's, let's see if there's any sauces that I missed right now. <laughs>
1: To, uh, I, and you're also placing a domino's order right now as
0: well i was looking i got oh i got the saucer sauce from wendy's it's that's another good sauce oh wait a- wendy's
1: oh they have a really good sauce too wait let me uh look it up this is just becoming a a sauce podcast um what was it called Gina are we, a, are
0: we having a balsamic glaze as a sauce or is
1: that getting yeah. its own category I honestly didn't put dressings. I didn't consider dressings as my. Uh, okay, that's that's I, what I wasn't sure. Okay, that's always a little bit of a murky uh, territory. Otherwise, I probably would have had um, Italian dressing on there somehow. <laughs> but uh,
0: I'm trying. Yeah, to I, got, try I, got, I got I got some garlic butter here from uh, from Domino's. I got some mango habanero here from Domino's. Although it not like they really changed the name, that out oh, no, it is it's sweet mango habanero. Uh, I already said the spicy buffalo from McDonald's.
1: Oh, got it. Wendy's sauce, creamy sriracha sauce from Wendy's. Phenomenal. Very
0: good. I don't know. I, I actually don't know if I've tried that one yet.
1: You gotta go get yourself some nuggets and some creamy sriracha sauce and just go to town.
0: Creamy sriracha. That's, that sounds good. Um, write, write that down. I'm I'm perusing the rest of my cabinets just looking if there's anything else that I missed. You also we're, if we're if we're gonna give an eye, like we're just gonna talk on a quick aside about dressings. Kenton's is probably the best uh, dressing brand. Who is it? For me. Ken's. Oh, that's with the old dude on it, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. What else? Oh, teriyaki sauce is always good. Soy sauce is good, but I feel like it's kind of its own thing. Oh, I was actually wrong. Sorry. It's not the Maple Sweet Baby Ray's. I'm looking at my fridge right now. Breaking news. It's the Sweet Baby Ray's Hickory and Brown Sugar. Oh, I didn't even it's, see that. Now I got to try their maple, but Hickory and Brown Sugar, because that's <laughs> what it is. It's like... It's to me brown sugar kind of tastes like maple, which is why I was getting the flavors mixed up. But brown sugar is such a delicious unhealthy flavor that <laughs> that's what made me think of the candy bacon because I would put brown sugar on the candy bacon. That's what I say. That's uh, your key to candy saying, bacon, I, right there. I, like, I knew, yeah. I was like, I knew the. Well, I would also try. I try it with maple syrup too. It would be like I would coat it in maple syrup and sprinkle some brown sugar on it. And again, it's the fattest, most unhealthy thing in the world. But that's why I'm uh, plus three hundred pounds. And so, I'm probably going to die before I'm 40. But at least, I'll die, at least I'll die
1: happy and full. Yes, exactly. With some good-ass sauces in your system. <laughs> but uh, I think this is a great start to our little food uh, segments that we're going to be doing, I think, pretty often moving forward.
0: Because... Yeah, I think we can start doing, uh, especially like I said, if we get a uh, takeoff <laughs> yeah. on here. We
1: definitely, we definitely. Doing? We're going to be talking about how we like our steak cooked because I'm I'm 100% team well oh done. my
0: god, that's that's gonna be its whole own episode.
1: We, might- we, had about,
0: we had talked about doing the barbecue. Me and uh, me and Anthony had ta- had the other Anthony take off, had joked about doing barbecue bros for a long time. <laughs> and uh, hearing hearing your your decrepit steak takes are gonna be just. It's gonna send everybody in uproar. That might be our most listened to episode when people hear how horrendous your uh, Taste in meat is.
1: If we um. Had to delete the Carson Wentz whole
0: fiasco that
1: episode. It might get that heated again talking about steak.
0: Oh my god! Well, I have I have an ottoman right here. I'm just gonna bite into that. So that, <laughs> but honestly, what, honestly, you honestly like to, what you honestly, like to put a one on. You waste a one on shoes. I'm just gonna say it right now. Steak as a food
1: in general, severely overpriced and overhyped.
0: You know what? I'm not, I'm not even going to argue with you. We could do a whole podcast on it. <laughs> I've, right. And I've, eat, I've eaten at some expensive steak places. I've had Ruth's Chris. I've had Morton's. Um, I think a great piece of, my favorite steak and we'll talk, I'm sure we'll have a whole steak episode at some point. My favorite steak actually came from an Italian place in the city called Chesca. Um, that was near, I forget which theater it's near, but I went to go see, I think Lisa Lampanelli once. And, uh, Ate at a place called Chesca and they had the most amazing steak that I ever had. They just put butter on it and nothing else. And it was incredible. But steak is something that's so hard, like so hard to get right, so easy to mess up. And even if the flavor is right and it's cooked right, if you just get a bad piece of meat that has that fat on it or that grizzle, it's you could ruin a steak very easily. Yeah, I think so- steak, I think steak when it's perfect, is the best food. But I also think because it's so easy for steak to be bad so quickly and like steak can turn in an instant too, where like, you'd be like, "Ah, this is a delicious steak. And then all of a sudden you just get that chunk of fat. And it's like, this steak is now ruined for me. So, but that's, that's my thing when it comes to steak is like, doesn't food in general,
1: I'm huge on like texture. So like the second I get some sort of like chewy piece of anything or like. Like a little vein or whatever, like completely grosses me out and ruins the whole uh, thing. Oh,
0: the, the, the veins on, yeah. If you get a piece of chicken that has a vein in it, oh, so gross. gross. Bro, I'm with you on that too. So, I'm yeah. like, but I, I, we got to, we got to, uh, I feel like we're running a little low. We got to continue <laughs> our food series going <laughs> forward.
1: It's going to be, it's going to be fun. I'm looking forward to it. But uh, that about does it for this episode, episode number 23 of The Blitz. And uh, we'll see you next week, guys.
0: Goodbye, everybody.